welcome to How to Become More podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome. This is Francois from How to Become More podcast. Looking forward to another great adventure today. This is for entrepreneurs that get fired up by sharing their mission, vision, and passion with the world. This is what it's all about. Whatever you have inside of you, bring it outside and touch lives. Someone's waiting for you. Let's stop tiptoeing through life and make things happen. Today, I was to get a guest, Jared. And interestingly enough, the title is, You Need a Bigger Problem. And right now, Jared's not here. So I don't need a bigger problem. <laughs> life is good. And it's not how or what happens to you in life. It's how you act or react when things happen in your life, especially when things come unexpected. So we're going to have an unexpected uh, journey today as we're going to talk about what you need is a bigger problem. Let's analyze this from a different angle. For example, right now, a guest supposed to be and, and, and I pray that things are well with him and that all is okay. And I send my love towards his area so that all can be well. And that's one of the decisions that I decide to make in order to have things happen in my life. And check what just happened. As I'm seeing this and I'm saying this right now, guess who pops up? We have Jared Hanning that pop, which is absolutely interesting and something to consider as far as a lesson in life. So Jared, welcome. Good to have you. Yes, happy to be here. Can you hear me? I Excellent. Can hear you. So, so Jared, what I was just saying, what I was just saying, so because the it started two minutes ago, and you weren't here, and I mentioned that the name of the show is or the the title for this, have a bigger problem. And I said right now I don't need a bigger problem, but then I came into the mindset of something is happening, and I can be you don't mean the level of by what they do by reacting to things that are bad, but rather how they act in face of challenges. And so what I did to the audience is cool. You're going to love this. I said, and right now, although he's not here, the first thing that comes to my mind is I pray that he is okay, that things are okay. His life is taken care of. And if there's anything that is stopping him right now, I pray that and I send love towards him so that it all can be well. Poof, you pop up. How interesting that is that we have more power than we think in life if we just but relax in facing challenges and, and embrace them for what they are and for what we can become by embracing them. And so this is a fantastic introduction to today's show because we're going to talk about what you said is what you need is a bigger problem and what we can do. It. Well, Jared, welcome to the show. Well, happy to be here. Yes. <clears throat> Excellent. Can you uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, and so that we can set the stage and see how things are happening, so we can go take it from there. Yeah. Ah, yes. So I were I am a baseball dad. I am a <laughs> full time baseball dad. I say it's about twenty hours a week um, that I'm playing catch with my kid, or taking him to lessons, or team practice, or whatever's going on. I didn't play baseball myself growing up. I'm just a baseball dad, like literally. Um, during the day, though, I run a mindset gym where we train entrepreneurs how to think at a higher level. We do this with a series of exercises called mindset push-ups. Um, and this is how they're able to finally scale to what they know they're capable of and get out of the weeds. Uh, in my past, though, I was a full-time classical musician. I was principal viola with the South Carolina Philharmonic. And the connection <clears throat> between classical music and being a trainer at a mindset gym uh, the connection is that when you are engaged in music, and some people don't know this, but when you're clapping your hands to the radio or singing along with radio, you're using more different parts of your brain than any time of your life. This is a sharp contrast with athletic performance, where the better your body is performing, the less of your brain it's using. Um, this doesn't mean that athletic or music, it doesn't mean that one is better than the other. It's just different ways of using your brain. Well, the thing is, there are ways to access different parts of your brain on demand. And when you learn how to do those, it changes your innovation, it changes your energy, it changes your confidence, clarity, productivity, that kind of thing. So back when I was in classical music, I was training entrepreneurs then even how to access different parts of their brain on demand. 
And um, now it's just what I do full time. I love you said something that I love you mentioned the word push up and you said mindset push up, correct? Yes, mindset push ups are how we rewire the thinking patterns. And and one of the things that a pet peeve of mine is whenever we're talking in your world, I tell people there's things that you need to do yourself source. And I said you can push ups for you, you have to do them yourself. Because once you do those push-ups yourselves, then you develop and you're the ones that reap those benefits and no one can ever take them away from you. So I like that angle of you saying the mindset push-ups. Indeed, we need to do the work to make it happen. Then it's ours and no one can take it away. That's awesome. I like that. Yes. Yeah, it is a connection. Is there a lag between you and me speaking? Uh, I have a tremendous lag. The, the audio drops, the video freezes. Um, yes. There is a tremendous lag. I just checked my internet okay. speeds, though, and I'm getting about 500 megabytes upload and 420 download. So my fiber optic on my end is, is still working pretty good. Okay. And so I'm at uh, I'm I'm at 170. That's the way that I usually am. If I be, we are talking technical stuff, but that's okay. We'll make it happen that way. That's not a problem. Excellent. So tell me. What gets you fired up as an entrepreneur and why did you decide to become an entrepreneur? <clears throat> um, what gets me fired up is being a baseball dad. What gets me fired up is having 20 hours a week that I can just hang out with my kid and be a dad. Like that's, that's my passion. That, that's what I love. That's what drives me is space on my calendar um, to spend time with my boy. That's what gets me fired up. Why did I become an entrepreneur? I didn't, I don't, I don't know that I had a choice. Um, I, and what I mean is it's just the way my brain is wired. My brain doesn't think, how can I make money? It thinks, how can I create money? How can I create value? Um, it's just the way my brain has always solved problems. Um, I don't gravitate towards somebody else giving me something to do. My brain just naturally creates an opportunity and something to do. So it's sort of like I couldn't not be an entrepreneur. It's just how I'm wired. This is so interesting because most people that are on went from corporate or job circumstances and then they come into the entrepreneur world. And so they're used to be told what to do and how to do things and when the deadlines is for this is for that. And then when they transition to entrepreneurship where they're riding the bike or you're the one that's making things happen. And if you're not no longer told what to do, people are at loss doing this and they have a hard time, so to speak, falling on their legs to make things a reality. And so it's very interesting that people have to rewire their brains and become an entrepreneur. And you say that you've always been an entrepreneur because you like to create. Can you expand? Because I'm curious this, and we didn't touch on this before. Is it because of the way you were brought up of having been stimulated to your creativity? Or how did this happen? Because we are, I'd say, yesterday we had a, a new five, so just born. And as I tell everybody, Everybody is, is born naked and upside down. <laughs> Everything else is learned <laughs> after that through the environment and what they put to their mind. It's interesting that say, oh, I was made this way. But you must know, because I see a smile on your face, that it must have been something that triggered it and made you music enlighten us on why you say that, no, no, I cannot not be alone. I'm interested in finding out. Uh, th this is just my my two cents it, is that we're partially a product of the networks in our head when we were born upside down um, and we're also a product of our immediate environment um, it's, it's not necessarily one or the other uh, so the networks in my head I I tended to gravitate towards practical solutions um, I had just kind of a mechanical mind I love taking things apart putting them back together I love understanding the What's the, what's the little thing that causes this to work? My brain just naturally did that. Um, and I was in an environment 
where um, my parents allowed me to do that. Like I could take things apart and put them back together. That was just sort of how I was born. But at the same time, I was allowed to experiment taking things apart, putting back together. Um, I was also in an environment where I was exposed to the arts, exposed to music. My mom played piano. So I had this brain that was interested in practical things. But at the same time, I was in an environment where I could explore the arts and those two combined together. And then um, later on in life, I'm you know now late high school, early college. My dad leaves his government job and he goes to work kind of on his own company, um, installing burglar alarms in people's houses. So I got to watch this person who had a very traditional structured job and now they're just kind of working for themselves. It's like, oh my gosh. And because he was working for himself, now his friends, his friends were also entrepreneurs. So I got to meet like lawyers and locksmiths and, you know, people in construction, people who own huge construction companies that were also entrepreneurs. Um, so the combination of my brain, uh, taking things apart and figuring out how do they work, combined with being surrounded by people who were also entrepreneurs, probably led to me just going, well, I want some money. So how about I just create value in the world? That's awesome. I think that your dad uh, trained you well. So you ended in adding value to the world. And to me, that is the heart of entrepreneurship. If you have a desire to use your skills, talents, and abilities, which we need to develop daily, by the way, in order to present and show up at a higher level, but the desire to serve and add value to others is to me the prerequisite to become a, you do this and you show up like this, then the money follows. You don't chase the money because it has in, in and of itself that sentence is if you chase the money, the money's going away because you're chasing, chasing, <laughs> don't create an environment where because of the value that you add, people raise their hands and say, Hey, this. and you serve them and they tell others about it. It's a much more simplistic view of entrepreneurship, but one that doesn't mm -hmm. bring all the complicated gifts to tell it it's hard to be an entrepreneur. Oh, I'm sorry. The audio dropped out. Um, was that a question? I, I didn't. That's okay. I'll continue. And, and if you want to go with the flow, I don't know why it's doing this, but then it's just testing our resilient on this. It is perfect. So whenever you see me stopping, you can just continue and, and uh, engage with a comment or conversation. But I'll ask the next one. What do you Great. love most about what you do? And why do you love what you do most? Um, God, most, uh, again, what I love most about what I do is a calendar for the things that are the most meaningful to me, which is, uh, being a baseball dad, being present in my son's life. That's what I love the most. And this work that I do gets to do that. But the next question is there are other jobs that would also allow me to do that. So why am I in the mindset gym and not doing those other jobs that also have similar calendar flexibility built in? And, and for that, I would have to say, that's just how I'm wired. Uh, I'm a teacher, I'm a speaker. Um, and so this work that we do in the gym is just a better fit um, for my freedom and self-expression than say, uh, wrangling spreadsheets as a, as a financial planner, you know, or a CPA, or uh, answering phone calls at eight o'clock at night as a realtor. Um, it's just a better fit for what I do. Uh, the mechanical part of my mind, my brain that teases out the one thing that makes the biggest difference. That's kind of what the mindset pushups are. If you will do this one exercise for 10 minutes, you will find yourself with 20% more confidence throughout the rest of the day. Um, and so it just seems to be, uh, the best fit for my personal skill set, how my brain's wired and the lifestyle that I want to live. Excellent. Thanks for sharing this. And one of the things that, that impresses me about what the, the two words that you said is mindset gym. And he says, when we go there, how interesting that you're um, describing it in a purposeful way. Set is not something that just comes on you. You need to decide to do it. And I love the fact that you say going to gym. 
lot of people tell them, do you think that going to the gym once, you're going to get guns and it's going to be like fantastic, you're going to be in top shape? They go, of course not. I need to go, sometimes I don't feel like doing it, but as I do it in the long run, I see the changes that happens in my life. And then when we tell them about mindset, I says, oh, I read one, one day and I think I'm good to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I take on that saying that mindset, Jim, that, that's a, a perspective of you at the table. And I think, I think that must why the content daily, I say daily, but some people may say weekly. So what's your take on, on um, uh, bottling up and saying mindset, Jim? Uh, so a gym is a, is a physical space and your body has a, a physical experience. When you're doing an actual push-up in the gym, it's physically shifting your nervous system around. It's, it's physically changing your metabolism and your heart rate. And it physically changes that because you're physically doing it. And it's that physical experience that makes the difference. Not reading a book about going to the gym, not watching videos of other people going to the gym. It's that physical experience. Um, so that, that's part of it. That's part of it. The other part of it is <clears throat> it's training, but it's not, it's not lifetime training. Um, it's more like learning to ride a bicycle, uh, when you're five years old and they take the training wheels off and you're wobbly and you don't have it in that state, your brain goes, you know, you're doing the best you can. And you might have a crazy aunt Jenny who gives you advice and says, what you need to do is go faster. And you're like, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. I mean, if I can't balance going slow, how's going fast going to help? And then one day on that bicycle, you feel a new sensation inside your body. You feel something physically. You feel balance. And the instant you feel balance, your brain makes a new connection and it goes, oh my gosh, okay, now I understand why crazy Aunt Jenny was saying that. Now I get it. But here's the deal. Before your body felt the difference viscerally felt the difference no amount of information made a difference and this is where we're at in modern day motivational speaking and life coaches and seminars and books it's just information and information doesn't make a difference it's the felt visceral experience inside your body that moves the needle after you feel balanced on a bicycle no amount of explanation is needed and you have that connection the rest of your life you could not ride a bike for another 30 years and you would still have it the very first day so at the mindset gym we aren't telling you what to do we aren't uh, giving you advice we aren't giving you information because that doesn't make a difference we're putting the feeling of clarity and confidence inside your body and when your body feels the difference then your brain makes a new connection and that's how we get you out of the weeds wow i absolutely love this and, and you and i connected really well and one of the things that i say it's just in harmony with this is that information to create transformation needs we need to participate in this and unless we do i have a signal and uh I'm a, um, how do you say, competitive, and I like it. The following is, all, the first one had a desire to ride a bike very early, and she did not like to have the training wheels. So I said, okay. So I invested myself into helping her do it. So I was holding her in the back and making her go, and then coaching her and telling her how to do it, and make her feel the balance, as you said. And... It took a while. It was, well, often, as you said, they get it. Of course they fall and they, they get back up. And then that's why needing a coach to help us do that is, is enabling the integration of that information. But they need to experience it themselves. And she was three years old, was riding a two-bike, no wheels. And so all my six kids, they all rode a bike when they were three years old before they were four. Uh, I know I'm crazy, but everybody. So they're all saying this is that was crazy. He was making us do things, but as you have, yes, because we broke the next level with this. And I always had swimming. It's the same thing. I don't care how many YouTube videos you watch to learn how to swim, unless you get in the water and you swallow a little bit. <laughs> you're not gonna learn how to swim. But once you know, you know. 
Same with yeah. the Mexico. Once you know, know. Therefore, I appreciate so much that you are um, crystallizing or materializing the mindset aspect. A lot of people say mindset, do, 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 out there. No, no. Mindset is, is a pathway. It's a thorough pathway. We decide it's very physical. And you mm -hmm. yep. explain this in a way that actually you get prospect on that. For us, mindset is a strategic way of thinking. Mindset is a thinking pattern. It's a it's a it's a habit. Uh, because it's a pattern, it's a habit. Uh, it's a strategy. It becomes something that anyone can do. It's a, it's a skill to be learned, um, to be transferred. It's a cookie cutter. It's very easy to do, and anyone has access to it. It's not. Um, it's not a personality trait. It's not like being extroverted or introverted. Um, it's not about being pessimistic or optimistic. It, it's not. It's not like a a lens or a filter. It's not a way of looking at the world. Um, it's a way of thinking about the world, and because of that, anyone has access to it. And and you don't have to change if you're introverted. That's fine. You can stay introverted. This is a way of thinking that will cause you to have more free time, more fulfillment, more income in your life. This thinking pattern that we train in at the gym. That's awesome. I love it because you really make it palatable and almost for mm -hmm. everybody listening right now, man, I need more mindset. Yeah, I need to get into the gym <laughs> in order to create that new reality in my life. That's absolutely awesome. Now, one of the things I, I'd like to, to dive into now, Jared, is that what is or what was the biggest lesson or the biggest challenge that you ever faced in your professional life and how did you overcome it? And is uh, it to become maybe <clears throat> entrepreneur that are here we're all asked sometimes, how are things going? So things are going great. And I know that sometimes it's not going as good, but we want to speak it in and go at it. So we don't repel <laughs> it up to someone. How's it going? Oh, it's terrible, man. Life is so like, everybody would run away from you. Nevertheless, it is a reality in our lives and we need to cope and overcome. And so what is the challenge that you ever overcame and how did you do it so we can, can uh, enlighten the people that are listening to the audience? Yes, yes, yes. Two stories that I'm going to tell. One of them uh, is from the world of music. So I was full-time classical music for 20 years, um, but I probably played classical music for 35 years. And <clears throat> during that time, I had horrible stage fright. Um, I would, I would, I would practice five and six hours a day to get ready for concerts and auditions. And then I'd go to play and my, my eyes would lose color vision. It'd go to like grayscale. My ears would go to like tunnel hearing where I couldn't hear any sound inside the room. I could only hear as if I was standing outside in the hallway. I could hear somebody talking in the hallway very well, but on stage it was very muddied. I couldn't really hear. Like literally I was in the hallway. It was weird. Um, my, obviously my hands would shake. Um, my mind would race. It would be like crazy ADD skipping around. Um, but that's, it's really, uh, it's like a demoralizing experience. So here's this craft that you care very much about, that you've prepared very much about, that you desperately want to share and connect with your audience. And in the one moment that it actually matters the most, your body just completely shuts down. And that was so frustrating. It was so painful that I would leave the concert or performance or whatever I'd go backstage and I would actually start thinking about ways that I could sell my instrument. And the reason I would need to sell my instrument is because I was I was compelled to be a musician. And I was like, I need to, maybe I can isolate from, insulate. Maybe I can protect myself from accidentally picking my instrument back up and, and doing this again. Like, how can I, maybe if I sell my instrument, maybe that will protect me from this. Well, I had the mental illness called being a musician. I couldn't turn it off. So I just kept coming back for more and more and more. Well, late in my career, at this point, I had been teaching and training on uh, the musical secrets, which are ways to access the different thinking patterns by going through your body. 
And it dawned on me that there was a principle that I hadn't applied to stage fright in music. And that principle was the only reason you currently have this problem is because you don't have a bigger problem. The only reason you're complaining about this or dealing with this is because there's not something bigger in your life going on. And so here I am on stage, I'm about to play and my stage fright is kicking in. I'm losing vision and hearing and shaking and all that misery starting all over. And I'm like, well, what is um, bigger than playing the solo? Like, why do I even care about playing the solo? What is the importance here? So I look at the passage of music and for whatever reason, it spoke to me of the felt, the received felt visceral in your body experience of being loved. And so I decided that I was going to stand for the possibility of my audience having the felt experience of being loved. And there was about 2000 people in the room at that time. So I stand up to play and my brain does what it had been doing for the past 20 years. And it goes, ah, you might miss this note. And I had to double down on my new intention. I said, it's okay. I don't care if I miss the note. I am standing for what is possible in my audience's life. And then my, the next note would come by and my brain would do it again. Oh, this is a hard note to reach. You might miss the shift. And I would say, I don't care. I don't care if I miss the note. I'm standing for what's possible in my audience's life. Every single note, I had to double down and recommit myself to standing for what was possible in my audience's life and give up being right and looking good and playing all the notes right and get everything perfect in tune because that was small potatoes compared to what was possible that my audience would have the felt experience of being loved. At the end of that solo, yeah, I was tired because I had never expended that much focus before. However, I had also played better than I had ever played in my life under pressure and I had finally slain the dragon because I knew exactly what it took to kill stage fright. And that is stepping up to play for something bigger. That's my first story about the obstacle that was kicking my butt. The second story that I want to share is so if I throughout my life. Get to the next oh, story, if I okay. may, before you get to the next story, if I may, you just, you just brought in so many nuggets. It's a great story. I'd like to, to pick some and it says, I am standing for what is possible in my audience life. You did shift the attack to something else to you because you have a servant's heart and you wanted to please them as much as you can. And that overcame that fright of those notes. And of course, and I, you're, you're very transparent and I appreciate that, Jerry, you said and a lot of it on my part and it's, it's like you can see there is when the kids were learning how to ride the bike or when they're trying to swim and they sink and they get back up a tremendous effort that people are doing when they're learning a new skill but after a while it becomes easier and easier and after a while they're just floating almost effortless and it's because they've experienced it firsthand and you have just brought this into beautiful world to that one example that you've given them looking forward to find out about the second story that's going to illustrate that concept. The second story gets more into mindset as a way of thinking. Now, in the stage fright story, I had a way of thinking. And that way of thinking was, if, if I will play all the right notes, if I will play them perfectly and cleanly and in tune, then my audience will have a good experience then I will feel good about myself. It's this if then. It's the same thing as desire. When you desire something, you're making an agreement with yourself to be miserable until a future date. Thank you, Naval Ravikant, for codifying that insight. So that's where I was. If I will play perfectly, then I will feel good. Then my audience will feel good. It was a way of thinking. And for 20 years, I had proven successfully that it doesn't work. Now let's get into business. So now I'm moving from classical music and more into mindset training and speaking. And one of the frustrations I had is that people would say, oh my gosh, you're amazing. You're doing an incredible job. Thank you so much. But no matter how much they would praise me and be thankful for the results they got, they wouldn't ever refer me to other clients. And this was really perplexing. How are you this happy and not sharing it? What's going on? I'm going to hold up a picture here. Um, 
This is the Nobel nominated mind scan. And one of the things, this isn't my mind scan from 20 years ago. It's a little bit more current. This one is. But one of the things that was happening as I mapped out my thinking patterns is I noticed that my brain had a tendency to solve problems by taking action at the expense of how other people felt. So I was action, action, results, results oriented. What this means is when people were interacting with me, they didn't have an emotional experience because my brain was skipping ahead to what needed to be done. Since they didn't have that emotional experience, they didn't really have anything of value to refer. The results are shallow. It's the felt experience. And so the statement there is people don't remember what they, you did for them. They remember how you made them feel. Realizing that my brain was solving problems by disregarding how they felt, I changed that began to go much better job of thank you cards, of thinking about you, messages, of small gifts. And that's what caused them to start referring me to more people. So it fixed that by changing how I was thinking about it. That's amazing. You dropped some nuggets again. And, and I, I like rules by which we live. The if this, then that. If this, then that. If I play well, they're gonna like it. So this rule was setting you up for failure. But the nice part about it is that you set the rule. So be because you said that challenge with this is that as individuals and when we're alone, it's in our blind spots. I, I sort of say to people that we, we see life through our eyes, so we're looking forward. But I don't see in the back of my head. You do. And so if you're around me, he says, hey, there's something here. He says, what are you talking about? Yeah, well, you're seeing it and I'm not. And so that, so you tell me that if this happens, then that happens is a rule that's stopping us. Well, right? Really? And that's why we need to have a coach, a mentor, or someone else outside of us that we can listen to. They have, of course, authority into whatever they're talking about. This is number one, the rules that we set. Tony Robbins uh, worked with Tony for a year and some and we're on stage and doing a lot of things together which was pretty cool and one of the things that he said is it's a rules that people have i have a client that makes seven million dollars a year and he is because he wants to make 10 million dollars a year and until he makes 10 million he feels he's a failure and tony says what are you doing you're making seven million making your life he was not spending any time with his kids no baby Baseball, that air, forget about that stuff. His wife not really happy to have all she wants, but where's my husband? And then Tony said, I have this other guy who is killing it out of the park. And I asked him, he says, What are your rules? He says, Every day above ground is a wonderful day. <laughs> Talk about <laughs> different set of rules that empower you to make it so much better than actually not. And so it's, it, it's wonderful. People can actually make rules that either stop us or rules that can enabling us and having someone else's perspective or view on this can make it much better. So that's one thing that you said. And other thing I, that you mentioned, which is so cool and brings back to the baseball dad in a way, your kids won't remember what money you made. They'll remember how you made them feel. They'll remember how the interaction that you had with them and that trumps and, and it makes you relax. And because it makes you relax, then you're attracting like-minded people, like-minded thoughts. And therefore, every boat is raising with the tide and, and, and life gets better for more and more people. I absolutely love this. People don't care what you do. It's how they feel when they're around you. And my fantastic mentor used to say, you want to change your life? Use this philosophy leave everyone you meet with the impression of increase <laughs> Give some, so they feel better because they've been around you and if that's the case and you make a habit out of this then you're going to have and that's my secret weapon actually referrals that's how you get referrals <laughs> if people feel really good around you because you make them feel good and they get great results then they want to send more people your way that's absolutely those were amazing nuggets that dropped with us i i really really appreciate that that's awesome so, and, and so coming back to, so those two stories were telling us that thinking on a bigger level makes everything so much easier and success isn't hard. It's just that the work is boring. Please expand on this one. I have a, a, an 
Explain on that, please. <laughs> yeah, success isn't hard. It's just the work's boring. And so people quit doing it. And that's what makes it hard. It's not hard physically. It's hard mentally and emotionally um, because of how we think, because of our thinking patterns that trip us up. Uh, what tends to happen um, is people will find something that's working. And as soon as they realize that this is working, I can do this action and get this result. You, you would think that they would go, all right, how can I do more of this action and get more? Well, but then they get bored. They're like, ah, this is boring. This is too easy. It's not fun anymore. So they quit doing it. And then they go to try to find another way. It's like constant chaos, almost like their brain is seeking chaos because it, it feels a reward for putting out fires. But that's not success. That's just spinning your wheels in place. So the trick is, how do you get your brain to feel emotionally rewarded for creating stability, for creating predictability? so that you keep doing the thing that works because over time that's what causes you to be more successful it's not hard you're just not willing to do it you're not willing to write the thank you cards you're not willing to make the prospecting calls you're not willing to do the follow-ups you're not willing to i mean it's just it's not hard it's just people don't want to do it they're too busy they're too busy it's it's so interesting and and when you say that is boring I have a friend who started in the ghettos like I mean the ghettos come from school and the school bus to go home people would put broken bottles on his neck to get his lunch money like crazy. and and then he started into real estate he didn't even have a car <laughs> he started in real estate and he decided to go into the poorest places and help the people get their first house because he was smart he says if I help them get their first then they'll sell later an opportunity they were never able to have and then from some of those uh, uh some of them came um how do you say investors but and now he's a multi-millionaire people says ah you were lucky <laughs> <laughs> i was lucky and he's i did all i found out how to invest a dollar and make two dollars from it and then found out to do that day in day out day in day out and people were saying well this is boring well says well then go be broke <laughs> because earning money and that's why if you only want to live earn money because you want to make you rich you're you're climbing the ladder that's on wrong when you get again on top of this you say is this it and i need to go back down and get the building so it's more about adding value to people and then sucking it up I like to say that successful people make habits of doing things that unsuccessful people don't want to do or hate to do. So that means that the successful people doesn't necessarily like to do it themselves, just that they're of doing it. And once they do it, well, then they can go play baseball with their sons or whatever else that they want to do. And this is such a, a shift in the mind that once you get it, you go, oh, what on, on the crazy rat race and, and treadmill of trying go, 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 go. It, it doesn't go anywhere. I appreciate that they brought and, and yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. Cool. So tell us what words of encouragement or advice would you give to a struggling entrepreneur? And you said something about less and more. I want to guide you on your answer to that answer. Words of advice to a struggling entrepreneur. If you're doing the work, you're falling behind. So rather than making a list of things that need to be done and checking it off your list, start causing things to be done. You cause things to be done by building processes and systems, documenting processes, delegating them. You don't have to hire somebody full time. You can hire somebody to do that task for two hours a week. I mean, you've got an extra 20 bucks. And by doing that, you spend more and more of your time on the thing that makes the biggest difference, which if you're struggling, that's going to be some version of prospecting, some version of sales, some version of marketing. Sales cures all ills. So if you're struggling, sales cures all ills. Stop doing the work. Start causing it to be done. If you're frustrated that you haven't leveled up, 
This is a different pain. You've been at it for five years. You've made the same amount of money every year. You're not growing. My word of encouragement for you is that you are only one thought away from your next breakthrough. Wow. And it's, it's very interesting and calming the way that you speak about a challenge. And, and by that, I mean the disposition, the emotional that the way that you express yourself causes people to relax. Everybody asked to this podcast right now, think about it. When he was speaking, you relaxed and you almost went, oh, and when you went, oh, that means that you're not stressed and tense and you're leaving the kink in the hose of abundance that wants to come your way because you're now allowing it to come your way. I absolutely love that that you, the, the way that you bring people down, relax, it's okay. And making it simple makes it appealing and achievable. Therefore, people show up to the plate, since you're talking about baseball, they show up to the plate ready and willing to hit, and they relax. And because they relax, they can hit home runs. If they're stressed, they're going to strike out. And so it's a, I like to use analogies just out of the blue, and, and that's exactly it with baseball. If you go in there, it depends what you want. We need to practice and be ready, and you need to have a good coach for it as well. But these are fantastic insights on the less you do, the more you make. So stop checking things off your to-do list and start building systems that cause them to be done. Fantastic advice. Thank you so much on that. I love it. So now for the next one. Do you have a special MVP, like a mission, vision, passion formula that you can share with the audience, such as finding a need? And um, I, I think a great formula is X, Y without Z. Um, I help X accomplish why without this pain the z factor right um i help companies scale um without managing sales teams i help help companies scale without risking money on social media ads the thing that you help them do without the pain that most people don't um, I, th I think this is a great formula for mission statements in my case um I help entrepreneurs think at a higher level so that they can achieve what they know they're capable of without worrying about wasting time along the way. I love it. Simple and, and this is a thing, Jared, that many people I feel, they try to, to make it so big, so colorful, and yet it confuses people. But, but the way that you just said it is present themselves in a way like this and they can accomplish way more. And so in the bustle of life, now they're listening to someone like says, what? You mean I can relax, have my cake and eat it too? And he can show me how? That's something that is very refreshing on, on how we actually make things happen. The MVP also that you mentioned, you said, Find the need and make a difference. It doesn't really matter if it's your passion because the part of the job that causes you to become successful is going to be boring. Do you love yes. speaking? If it, that's part that makes you successful, writing, thank you card is. You see, it's, it's very, how do you say, you bring it down to the simplest expression. You know, if you have 100 over 100, well, basically it's one half. Why are we talking for 100 over 200? Why we say it's half? Making it simple makes it more palatable for people to deal with it. It's not this big monster. And so uh, it's, it's powerful that you say what the part that makes you successful in the beginning is doing the grunt work, doing the things that need to be done. Even if it's not C or fun or, you know, it needs to be done, you do it. And then going to the mindset gym you develop the in the mind in order to get you to do it again and again easier easier the thing gets and so that's very powerful i love it so what's next on your to-do list any professional projects that are planned in the future for you um currently 
taking the mindset push-ups online so that more people can access them, uh, especially if they're having to wait for a trainer at the gym uh, to be able to walk them through the exercises, even though it only takes like, you know, three months to master the exercises. So that's one project we're working on, bringing the mindset push-ups online so more people can have access to them. Um, the other project is this year, I will probably um, start learning how to ride a wheelie on my mountain bike. I love riding mountain bikes, but I've always felt a little silly that um, this thing that I spend so much time doing, I've never learned how to ride a wheelie. So <laughs> this year, I'm going to teach myself how to ride a wheelie. <laughs> that, that's awesome. I love it. And, and, and just I'll tell you. I don't know how old you are, but next week I'm going to be 6'2". And this is a picture of me this summer. So this is a racing motocross and I ride wheelies all the way up to fifth gear. <laughs> and so these wow. are things that we learn. And at first, it's scary. Crazy. It's really scary. But once you get it, man, now you can go, baby. <laughs> there's, there's good in horizon for you. Set the intention. And you say, hey, I'm going to make it happen. And now you're going to do it. And whenever you start to go and your mind's going to say, what am I doing? Shh, be quiet. I'm making this happen. Actually, here's the funny one for you. It says, Francois said I could do it. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Your brain's going to calm down. <laughs> make it happen. So, and we're never too old to learn. It's always good to, to make things happen. That's, that's awesome. So learning these two things is great now. But what legacy would you like to leave for the future generations and why? Um, <clears throat> well, several legacies I am leaving um, because what I learned about music, um, when I left classical music, I was making six figures working 20 hours a week. Um, it's very easy to do that. Happy to show anybody. It's just a matter of taking your time out of teaching, stopping teaching one-on-one, -on -one, starting some sort of multiple teaching, either groups or online courses adding retail so that your students can buy their musical supplies through you and not the music store, and then booking gigs for your students. Um, if, if you'll do that in any artistic craft, whether it's pottery or painting or dance or music, you will very easily make six figures working 20 hours a week. Um, so that, in a way, has now becoming a legacy for my son because those systems are already in place. So, And he's, he's interested in music right now. So when he grows up, he, he now has very easy access to income um when he's you know in his early 20s he, he will have that in place because i've kind of put that together for him um, but any other musician can use it as well um, the legacy in the world that is the mindset gym coming online uh, so that more people have access to the mindset push-ups so that they can get the results uh, while they're waiting for a trainer to be available to work with them so if you're saying waiting for a trainer to be available for them are you saying that you are training trainer now in to fulfill the, the coming your way? Is that what you're saying? No, we aren't scaling so much by adding more trainers, um, but scaling so much that people can now get preliminary results while, while they're waiting. Um, the work of working with a trainer is very powerful. The results you get happen very fast. Um, but the kind of people that do the training, um, we're, we're still a little cautious about um, bringing on more of those people. So happy happy to grow at the rate we're growing. Hey, Jared. Actually, Jared, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about what you just said. And it's uh, the high performance and CEO is the way people get over. Yes, mindsetperformance.co, yes. Excellent. And what I love is you mentioned I'm king because it was almost a trap that I sent you away and you, you did wonderful for it. You're not saying that you want to have more people to train your material. You just want to make sure that they are super powerful trainers to deliver what's going to make a difference in life. I want them to feel it, the experience it. And you do not want to delegate this one that i'd be eager to do it without the the knowledge the your integration themselves and that to me my friend is a true professional absolutely wonderful can people get a um, a taste 
of what it is that you do. Do they go on your uh, mindsetpoints.co and get a hold of you? How can people get a hold of you? What's the way? Uh, uh, you can find me on the socials, Jared Hanning, uh, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, happy to chat, message me. But also the website, you can take the mind scan. Um, go ahead and take the mind scan, get your thinking patterns mapped out. Um, it comes with a 21 page report and it just gives you a lot of really helpful information if you feel like you're stuck in the weeds on what to do differently today. Excellent. So the mind scan report is something that's available. Absolutely. Cool. So let's let baby here today. And number one, thank you, Jared, for coming and enabling people to mindset is not something that's out there do, 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 but it's something more that we can do internally because <laughs> so many people say oh mindset stuff and they point outside for some strange reason while <laughs> you are really bringing it down saying it's not outside it's i like like you to say that if you live your life from the inside out now you're in control you're empowered in outside circumstances control you, then you're disempowered because you've empowered the outside world. So we need to switch this around and having someone to help us so is fantastic. And the mind scan can be the first step for people to find out what makes them go tick tock or tuck tick. And as they do, they'll be positioned to move forward and getting in touch with you. That's absolutely wonderful. As always, thank you so much for coming here. And uh, any last parting words that you'd like to mention with the audience before we go? Uh, last words is simply, you're only one thought away from your next breakthrough. Absolutely. I love it. Thanks for sharing. I like to say to everybody, if fear is stopping you to doing things, this is the best shift. Listen to this episode again. Don't let the fear that is outside of you stop you from sharing the things that you know will help your fellow people all around you. Stop tiptoeing through life. Get out there, courageous. Show your and make a difference in people as you do so. All the best, everybody. Thanks for coming.